You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. How does a person create an identity as an immigrant in America? How much of your cultural identity do you take with you? How much do you assimilate to American culture? The Fortunes is a new novel from author Peter Ho Davies, author of The Welsh Girl, which was longlisted for the 2007 Man Booker Prize. Davies lives in Ann Arbor and teaches at U of M, but he grew up in Great Britain. He uses his Welsh and Chinese heritage to explore ethnicity and cultural identity in his novels. The Fortunes is a collection of four novellas, each one centering around Chinese and Chinese-American characters struggling to find their place in the United States. Davies will be appearing at Nicola's Bookstore in Ann Arbor on Thursday, and he joins me now to talk about his work. Peter Ho Davies, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, The the, the concept here is uh, is at once fascinating, but also, I think, resonant with uh, uh, the, the time that we are sort of experiencing right now in America. We're talking a lot about Immigration. We're talking a lot about identity. We're talking a lot about things like assimilation versus uh, sort of preservation of your own uh, ethnic identity separate from uh, Americanism. We're talking about American exceptionalism. All of these themes sort of come together uh, really uh, wonderfully through the narrative of, of oh, thank your you. work. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think you're right. I, it's, um, it's one of those curious things that when one writes a historical novel, one's often looking for it to have a contemporary resonance. Uh, in a strange way, the, uh, the times have caught up with the book. Some of these issues uh, that I'm dealing with in the past feel as though they are coming back very much into our present cultural and political discourse, of course, at the moment. Yeah, and, and that discourse is so coarse <laughs> right yes. now. I mean, it is Badly. a really, really pugnacious conversation we're having. I feel like the way that you deal with them in the novels is is much more genteel. It, it doesn't shy from the sort of controversial aspects of it, but it does not indulge the the viciousness uh, really uh, that that's come to define these these conversations. I guess that's true. I think I'm interested in the the way Chinese Americans, Chinese when they first came to the country, become a Chinese American community, a part of an Asian American community, and how their sense of their themselves in that space grows. So while we uh, certainly deal with struggles with the other, with the larger community, instances of uh, racial abuse, racial violence, uh, I'm very much interested in how those things are internalized by the community. And I think that comes out of my own lived experience. I think for me, you know, I've lived a life of halves, right? Half Welsh, half Chinese, lived half my life in the UK, now lived more than uh, just about half my life in the US. Um, And I think whenever we think about those halves, whenever we think about hyphenated identities, of (laughs) course, so-called hyphenated identities, we're always thinking that the half represents a duality and often a choice. And what I'm really interested in is how we think about it being a hybrid space, how it's not either this or that, it's both somehow simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about your own experiences uh, as, as someone who comes to this country uh, with, with already a complicated uh, uh, <laughs> sort of uh, identity uh, in terms of where you're from and, and what your cultural heritage is like, you come to a country where almost everybody has that, that story, although yeah. we don't always talk about it. We don't always yeah. admit that that's how, how complicated people are here. What, what was your sense of uh, sort of America and Americanism when you, when you got here? 
you know, it's so, it's so hard for a European to speak of that. I think I remember <laughs> when I first arrived in Boston, French from the UK would say, well, how do you find America? And it didn't take me very long to figure out that I could tell them a little bit about Boston. I could tell them a little bit about Massachusetts, my ability to talk to them about the West Coast, the South, the Pacific Northwest. I had no ab- ability to do that. It'd be like asking somebody in London how they found Berlin. It makes no <laughs> sense. I think we, in Europe, we struggle with the continental scale of the United States as a country at right. the same time. Right, a lot bigger place. Yeah, but one of the things I think I remember being in a sense, freed by. I, I was very conscious growing up uh, in Britain in a largely white community uh, that I did not look the same as everybody else. Uh, and that burden, I felt so in very ridiculous ways, even as a child, I felt like uh, just because my face is not white, I somehow represent every colored person that these people will encounter in various ways. It's a ridiculous burden to feel as a child. Right. Uh, but nonetheless, one that but I But a lot of people, f- that, that a lot of people who are sort of isolated in... Uh, environments uh, with uh, with people of yeah. other backgrounds. I think that's a very common feeling. Yeah. Right? No, I think that's exactly yeah. right. Uh, it's a sense of loneliness, but also this sort of odd burden of representation, I right. think, in various ways. Right. And also we feel, I think, also the struggle, that feeling of, well, people can look at me, look at my face, look at the color of my skin, and make a conclusion, feel as though they know something about me, even though they don't know me as an individual. I think we struggle with that feeling of some kind of stereotyping activity. Sure. And oddly, when I came to the U.S., I felt... Um, surprisingly freed. Um, people would look at me, make some kind of assumption, he looks Asian, they'd, they'd base uh, some kind of <laughs> assumption based on that. And then I'd open my mouth and this British <laughs> accent would come out and you could see their heads kind of like, what? Like, you okay, know? how do I make sense of this? Yeah, there's a moment of cognitive dissonance. And it reminded me of the fundamental truth that I think all of us need to remember, that just because people look at me and think they can draw some conclusions, they don't know me. Yeah. Uh, and the, 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 the weapon of the accent in a strange way was a nice way of blowing up those preconceptions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WD. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Peter Ho Davies. Uh, he is the author of The Welsh Girl, which was longlisted for the 2007 Man Booker Prize. His latest novel is Fortunes, uh, a f- collection of four novellas, which uh, each center around Chinese and Chinese American characters struggling to find their place here in the U.S. Uh, you want to join the conversation, uh, talk about Peter Ho Davies' work if you're familiar with it, or uh, talk about this idea of identity, cultural identity in the United States. Uh, how do you separate or maybe try to assimilate your American identity with the cultural heritage that you have? Do you sort of keep that distinct or do you mash it all up uh, together? 313-577-1019 is the number to join that conversation. It's 313-577-1019. Peter, the third novella takes place in Detroit and centers around uh, an incident that most people here, at least if you're my age, I'm not sure that people much younger than than I am remember that in 1982, uh, Vincent Chin uh, was murdered mm-hmm. by uh, auto workers who thought he was Japanese. Right. Uh, and and for people who are too young to remember, 1982 was sort of the height of this fear in Detroit of uh, Japanese automakers, Japanese cars, which were for the first time starting to really flood uh, the market here in the U.S. and starting to take uh, market share from from domestic auto workers. And there's a lot of uh, there was a lot of tension around those things. This was probably the most, uh, the most discussed and and uh, uh, vile, I think, incident that that came out of those tensions. 
you write about it in in more of a fictional sense here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is interesting. I, I also remember the case, strangely, even though I was living in Britain then, um, that my hometown in England is a place called Coventry. It's part of, uh, you know, what we call the Midlands in England. So it's kind of the, the rough equivalent of the Midwest. And it's also car country. And so as a kid, I can remember friends and their fathers feeling their jobs in the car industry being threatened by yeah. imports, Japanese, but also European imports at that time. And I remember hearing about this story and really being struck by the way that Vincent is Chinese-American, but is mistaken for Japanese. The irony of that, I think, in very many ways, this death, uh, you know, it's a terrible death, but it's a death also that seems as though it's so avoidable in some ways, and it's also one that comes out of mistaken identity and the confusions of uh, racial identity as well. Right, right. Uh, and that's something that we all sort of struggle with still in this country, is that, that identity. What, what do you call yourself and what do other people see you as and there's often a, a real gulf right and that's a really interesting space i think to think about for me as a writer that space between the identity that we think we have ourselves and the ones that are imposed upon us by others and indeed the ones we uh, project out into the world there's a space there between this interior sense of identity and some exterior sense of it yeah. and i think we're often struggling to reconcile those two things who am i how do i look those kind of questions yeah uh talk about the connective tissue between these four different stories. Yeah, so it's a historical novel set, you know, in periods ranging from the 1860s to the 1930s to the 1980s and to the approximate contemporary moment. Um, and so it feels like four novellas. I think you're right to talk about it in those ways, but I also like to think about it as a novel. Uh, in a way, it feels oddly like a traditional novel. Uh, we're used to the idea, if I was writing a 150-year history of um, an Italian-American uh, community, I'd probably write a big multi-generational family novel, which start with, uh, you know, grandparents who sure. work our way through various generations. One of the things that is uh, interesting and I think somewhat unique about the Chinese-American experience is how um, those familial lines of descent have often been interrupted when the Chinese first arrive, the gold rush, they work on the transcontinental. It's what's known as a bachelor society. Men only, almost yes, exclusively. Right. Uh, we might think about our current sense of uh, a particular group of Chinese immigrants are uh, adopted babies from China, nearly all girls, yes. right, of course, in that space as well. And the history is about, uh, sometimes legal history from the U.S., excluding Chinese men from bringing their wives and families. Uh, miscegenation laws stop them from marrying here in various ways. So we might ask, argue that the the, the normal genetic familial lines of descent are broken. Um, so between these sections, even though they are not with an ongoing family, there are links and echoes, language repeated, jokes repeated in some <laughs> instances, that I hope bind them together. So there's a sense here that this is a, uh, a multi-generational community uh, that are bound together less by love than by less by blood rather than by certain affinities and experiences. Yeah, and and talk about the the three other stories that are in the sure. in the four. So I start with, and this was the initial genesis for the um, the book. Uh, the Chinese working on the building of the transcontinental in the immediate aftermath of the Civil War. Uh, and seeing that idea as uh, the transcontinental, which is almost like a belt buckle tying the country together after the strife of the war. It's one of the things in which this is yet another instance of an immigrant community, not just the Chinese who are building from the West, but the Irish building from uh, the East, are in a sense binding the new nation together in some ways after it's been threatened uh, through the, the activities of the Civil War. Um, really interested in that process. Uh, the second section is about the first Chinese-American movie star, Anna Mae Wong, and it's fun to write about that Hollywood space. But she really is sort of the, the exemplar of somebody who is famous in the U.S., 
becomes a movie star, best dressed woman in the world, she's described at one point, uh, because she looks Chinese. And at a certain point, she goes back to China, goes on tour, and the Chinese look at her askance because the roles she plays, dragon ladies, butterflies, <laughs> are not particularly uh, respectable roles. So the way she represents the Chinese on screen, they represent, they resent in various ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about the writing process. I always ask writers when they come in here, <clears throat> partially because... I'm a writer, too, uh, about that process. How do you come up with the material and sort of how do you put it together in the way that you do? Sure. I mean, for me, uh, novels especially are long, slow journeys. But they're journeys of discovery, right? They take as long as they have to take, I think, for me. Uh, I wish they were a little faster, but by the time <laughs> I'm done with them, they always feel like they needed to take that long. So, you know, this book, uh, I thought the whole book was going to be that sequence about the transcontinental for a while. The character, I think, eventually suggested to me, no, this is not, I'm not going to tell you a whole story about my life. It's not going to go on for 500 pages. It's going to go on for about 150 pages. And I, uh, I struggled with that. I tried to force it a little bit for a year or two. But then I began to think about uh, what I think is the, the ultimate kind of binding element, the glue that holds the stories together. All of these characters are struggling with questions of representation. Yes. Right? So anime is, you know, sort of very specifically grappling with that sense of who do I represent, how do I represent them. Even the guy who works on the railroad, I have a, uh, he's a historical figure, but almost just a footnote in the historical annals. He's a Chinese servant to a fellow called Charles Crocker, who's one of the guys who builds the transcontinental, one of the big railroad barons of the day. And Crocker is credited with saying, oh, the Chinese, yeah, Contemporaries didn't think they were strong enough for the hard physical labor of building the railroad. Crocker is the guy credited with thinking, no, we can hire these guys. Of course, they were cheap labor as well, right. so he's right. thinking about his own end, right? <laughs> um, and he's supposed to have been inspired by the example of this servant, Ling, who works for him. So I thought, what is like, what's it like to be that guy? The guy who, in a sense, inspires the hiring of, uh, the immigration of, uh, tens of thousands of your countrymen to work in these degrading and very difficult circumstances building the railroad over the Sierra Nevadas. Um, I wanted to think about his role both as a, as a model, and we often think about Chinese as the model minority, and I wanted to blow that up in some ways. Um, and does he feel guilty, in a sense, for bringing these men and being, in a sense, partially responsible for these men arriving and working in these very difficult circumstances? Yeah. And of course, I realized that all these representative figures who are struggling with their own <laughs> powers, questions of representation, are... Um, are versions of a novelistic anxiety, right? Uh, novelists represent other people, uh, struggle with our right to do that, how we do that. And so I'm writing, in a sense, into that very anxiety in, through these characters who struggle yeah. with those same issues. H how much of you is in the <laughs> characters? Uh, oddly, I would say I'm in all of them, yeah. right? The last section, the more contemporary section, um, which features a, uh, a sort of Chinese-American novelist, um, uh, a, a struggling one, in fact, as I think most novelists feel themselves to be at various points, um, is a little closer to my own life experiences. Yeah. Um, but he's not me either. I'd like to think <laughs> the book, which raises questions about how do we represent, how can one person represent many, uh, should mean that when readers get to the end of the book and they encounter this character who seems <laughs> like me, they might go, well, wait a minute. You know, we can't read this as strictly or straightly autobiographically. Right, it's right. a bit more complicated than that. Yeah. All right, Peter Hodavies, author of The Fortunes. Uh, you will be at Nicola's Bookstore in Ann Arbor on Thursday. Thanks very much, Steve. Yeah, thanks very much for being here. All right, the WDET Unfundraiser ends the moment we reach the goal of $281,000, and you can help eliminate the kind of fundraising that interrupts the programs you love, programs like Detroit Today. So renew your support or donate for the very first time now at WDET.org. 
That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station.